Hello, everyone. Uh, we are back here with another episode of Salad, another great interview. We're lucky enough to have with us today uh, Byron Morgan. He's actually a strategist with Mullenlow in Boston. So if you want to say, hey, Byron. Hey, what's up, everybody? And uh, thank you, Trent and Cole, for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, happy to have you here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really excited. Really excited to hear a little bit more about what you do. So I guess just kind of uh, to give people an idea of, you know, kind of your background and what brought you to advertising, uh, we wanted to ask, so what was your path to strategy or, or what kind of drew you to that department within advertising? Well, I'll be honest, man. Um, I've had a bit of a non-traditional path. Um, I actually started uh, my career working in the music business. Oh, nice. Uh, where uh, I had a chance to work with a guy named uh, Kedar Massenberg, who is the CEO and senior vice president of Universal Motown, where honestly I started as his assistant. Mm-hmm. I learned the music business from him uh, for a year and a half, where I basically started to work on... Um, I started to basically work on... Um, basically like, oh shit, man, I'm sorry. I got a note that kind of distracted the fuck out of me. Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> I, uh, I basically uh, got a, um, uh, an opportunity to work with him where I started working in his music distribution arm of the small label that he stood up called Kedar Entertainment Group. That was basically a joint venture with, um, with Universal Fontana, which is basically a label imprint that does distribution. Okay. I learned the, mm-hmm. basically the uh, distribution business from him and publishing business from him. And uh, essentially, uh, I wanted to get involved in uh, the recording business. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, through him, you know, I learned that business. I went back home to Virginia, which is where I'm from, and I opened a recording studio. Oh, cool. And after opening that uh, studio, I was in business for about five years, but a lot of my clients were actually uh, record labels uh-huh. or uh, advertising mm-hmm. agencies and um, actual like recording um, studios for radio, mm-hmm. right? So like Intercom, mm-hmm. Clear Channel. Uh, so nice. that was sort of like my first interaction with the agency uh, world as a vendor, actually. Okay. Um, so okay. then, yeah, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then from mm-hmm. there, I realized that I wanted a more holistic, um, basically, like role in creating uh, content. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. I had an opportunity um, through a woman that I had met. Um, through opening the recording studio because when in Virginia, we actually opened it in this really small co-working space uh, back home called the creative space. And then what we did is uh, as the space sort of fell on hard times, we actually bought the whole floor, first floor, which was almost about uh, 2,500 square feet, um, decent sized space uh, that would allow us to expand our booths. And we ended up like running session, running more sessions and where it was able to do more client work things like that out of the space. Um, so we took that on um, and through that process, basically it was like really just trying to figure out, you know, how to get more involved in the creative process. So we started doing some like digital work for them, um, for agencies like Grow um, and the Martin agency. Okay. And, you know, essentially over time, you know, I, I kind of got to a place where um, 
I wanted to do more. Right. And growing, mm-hmm. the, like growing a, a studio, I mean, you're pretty much confined to the square footage that you can actually own. Yeah. Uh, and uh, basically, that kind of also disrupts the amount of scale, uh, or, you, or sets the the barriers in your scalability. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, um, you know, I uh, jumped into the agency world um, through that woman that I met, uh, this woman named Karen, uh, and uh, started it, worked with her as like the seventh hire on starting an internal agency up here in um, Massachusetts. So I did that uh, for about a year and a half before um, I actually got recruited by another uh, shop uh, that I thought had a really cool opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. but was duped into that <laughs> and uh, I worked at an internal agency uh, uh, at Mass Mutual um, to help start their digital practice. Um, stayed there again for a, about a year or so um, and in that role I was on the account side and the first agency role I was in I was more on the creative side actually as a uh, digital events director which is basically just like a creative director for creating online or digital content. Um, Back in fast forwarding right to Mass Mutual when I was there at Studio M, um, basically I was an account guy, mm-hmm. uh, which was totally opposite, which yeah. uh, was this weird hybrid role between account and uh, project management. Um, mm-hmm. They called it a relationship manager, but technically I was like winning, like winning the new business internal. Okay. Um, and then help roll out their live mutual campaign, which is cool. But then from there, um, I was still working client side and I actually, cause all of these, in, in all of these cases, except for the first place, um, which was called partner demand, mm-hmm. uh, I was client side. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. the next role I had, um, while here in Massachusetts, um, brought me to Rhode Island and I worked at Hasbro where I was on their innovation and design team. Oh, nice. Uh, and helped launch uh, their Hasbro gaming crate. Uh, which is basically their first uh, foray into the subscription business. Okay. Um, unfortunately, that crashed and burned in a couple of months. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, I did take a lot of those learnings into Monopoly's entertainment and licensing right. team and was able to do some really cool products, uh, product partnerships uh, that were wildly successful. Um, one that I'm really proud of is uh, uh, a Game of Thrones version of monopoly that's on right now hey nice <laughs> very nice very nice yeah uh, waiting waiting for waiting for sunday's episode so that's that's awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So like and, uh, did some stuff with nintendo as well as uh, very cool uh, a new version of monopoly called monopoly cheaters and after oh, that, that one. I, actually, I like that one yeah. actually that one was good yeah, it's not bad. It wasn't a bad idea. You know, yeah. it just kind of built on the insight of people already have their own music You know? Um, so through that, like, I realized through that journey, to make a long story short, that um, what really lights me on fire is storytelling. Mm-hmm. Especially when I can storytell with a purpose and then that advances like an actual business objective. Because, right, I mean, working in a corporate office every day, right, like that, yeah. You know you're making money for something, mm-hmm. but if I can tell a story that's impactful for the consumer in a way that you know inspires them beyond just making a purchase, right? Like that—that that is a really cool place to be. Yeah. You know where that takes me twenty years from now in my career, who knows? But at that, at the place where I am right now, that's pretty exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And for that very reason, 
uh, you know, like uh, I wanted to become a strategist and, you know, that's one of the cool things that I get to do in my work today is find those intersections with culture, uh, to create, uh, moments that inspire people beyond just the point of sale. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I think like leading a lasting, like leaving a lasting impact and really doing something like outside of the box like that. I, I think it's cool. Even from like all your work at Hasbro and stuff like that. I, I, that's awesome. Really cool. Yeah. And I think kind of going off of that too, you talked about kind of the background that led you to strategy. And I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, what's your perspective like for students who are interested in that role, but don't, don't, don't know too much about it? How would you kind of describe the role of the strategist in addition to being the storyteller? What does kind of the, the day-to-day job look like for you, um, especially now that you're uh, with Mole and Lowe? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the biggest thing, uh, there, there, are th- there are four ways, you know, you should kind of like start to like shape your brain in all of this. Right. Um, first things first is, you know, be insight hunters, right? And the insight mm-hmm. is basically what's that unique human truth that everyone can relate to that, that when people see that you've found that human truth or because we sniff out we sniff out things in, me- in messages and ads all the time right we sniff out products and ads all the time yeah, yeah. Um, i feel like our generation yeah. just like the measles and the mumps back in the day we've become Im- immune to advertising in that same way right so like we sniff mm-hmm. those messages out but when we sniff that message out that message should ha- hold some kind of truth that makes you say oh shit they get me you know, because with that, with that um, human yeah. moment, yeah. that connection that you create, that personification that you've, you've identified through whether it was a cultural insight, a competitive insight, a company insight, um, or, or even just a consumer, a general consumer insight, when they understand or find that, yeah, like that is where, um, that is where a great ad is born, right? And creative is what's born from that, right? Mm-hmm. As a strategist, part of your job is storytelling both yeah. to the client, but a big part of your job is actually storytelling to the creative team yeah. because they're the people who put the, the pictures to your words. You know, everything mm-hmm. starts with a brief, but if that brief is uninspiring, right. you can't create work from it, you know? So it all starts with inspiring. It, it all yeah. starts with that, that interesting human truth that of course delivers on some kind of business objective to a specific target um, that inspires the creative team in a way that creates visuals that will inspire your clients. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really cool how you touched upon how, you know, it's really like making the case to the creative team just as much as it is to the client. Um, and so, you know, you have all these different parts of the agency kind of like working together. How do you kind of go about telling that story? Yeah. So part of it is, Part of it is understanding the resources you have at your fingertips. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, you know, the strategist in many ways is like the rudder to the ship. Mm. Um, you're kind of steering, you're steering the direction of the strategy. Okay. You know, you, you, you're in many ways, right. They often say like the strategist is the smartest person in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that's always true, but I also, but I do think the strategist does have the ability to, delve deeper into subjects and topics better than anyone else on the account. Right. And on the account, you may have producers, project managers, account people, 
um, copywriters, art directors, uh, media folks, PR folks, right? Like you may have all these people, but they're all looking at these things from, you know, how do we sell it, right? How do we sell it into the world? Mm -hmm. You're the person actually in charge with, you're the person charged with actually understanding the consumer the most intimately. And because you're understood, because of your understanding of the consumer, uh, in such an intimate way, mm-hmm. it allows you to foster connections with that consumer m- way quicker than what an art director would be able to do from a quick Google search, you know, to find images, right? Like you could actually tell a story about this person that resonates in a unique way. You can, yeah. you can dive into this persona and how they look at, how they look at the world, you know, and you provide, you provide that insight, you provide those thoughts about that consumer that most people can't really touch because they're focusing in on very specific aspects of the creative process Mm -hmm. where a strategist has a more holistic look, um, Mm -hmm. probably only second to the account person um, about what we're actually trying to accomplish with this creative work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that, that makes a lot of sense too. Cause I was, you know, listening to you thinking about that, you know, I, I want to go into the account management, brand management side of things. And I was going to say the the single greatest asset I've had to me in my different internships is when there was a good strategist working on the account too, who kind of had that holistic look as well that was able to kind of glide, you know, help guide both talking to the, the client as well as talking to the internal teams. Uh, so I think that that was a great point to bring up as well. Um, you know, and I'm kind of curious, you know, we've talked a little bit about you know, what kind of goes into the strategy and, and the insights and how you communicate and tell that story. I'm, I'm curious, what are some examples of, you know, some of the favorite work that you've either been a part of, you know, with Mullen Low or previously or stuff that you've seen out in the world? And, and what do you think makes that unique from a strategic perspective? Yeah, I think um, one one thing that I'm proud of is the Live Mutual work for, for uh, Mass Mutual. Um, you know, working on the internal agency, uh, in that was really like eye opening because it gave me a deep look into, again, the customer, um, and what the customer actually desired and how the insurance business itself was, you know, had been considered this stodgy old business that, um, didn't believe, you know, that, that although are for the people Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily stand for the people if that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't, they weren't immersed in the, the day-to-day life of the people, even though we desire to, right. Because we're there at the, the most, one of the most tragic moments in their lives, yeah. you know, dealing with the death. Um, so, you know, the, the thought in, or the insight in that was right, like, how do we make, um, this as human as an Airbnb experience. How do we tap into the desire? Like, how do we, how do we, how do we show that we're in the connection, uh, the connections business in some way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that was, that was interesting, right. Cause stepping into the mindset behind that, right. Like is, uh, was kind of really cool. Um, especially because they're a 150 year old company and to be able to participate in something like that, um, that'll shape their brand probably for another 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, was, was fascinating. Um, then I would also say recently here, uh, working on, uh, the all you can jet, uh, campaign, mm-hmm. uh, which was one of jet blues, most successful, the most successful media campaign that they've done. Yeah. Um, that was, that was really exciting. Um, 
because there was a lot of groundwork that went into it. But there was also this, uh, it, it showed that, you know, to me, it showed me the power of behavioral changes, mm-hmm. right? In advertising and that you can create behavioral changes in advertising, um, you know, and that power could be used for good or bad, right? right? Um, could be Tom shoes or Marlboro cigarettes. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so that, that to me was something like interesting. Right. And it made me sort of realize that over time that I'd like to be in a space that I can create work that layers both creativity on top of things that advance like people positively in a, in a more constructive social direction. Um, so that was, that was one thing. And then, you know, other things that, um, I can appreciate even working on the Burger King account, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is also, um, just a very interesting account because of, you know, the way that we approach, um, uh, just our strategy and how we, um, tap into subcultures mm-hmm. and, and how we're able to build authentic connections with this audience in a way that's authentic and speaks their language. Um, those things all to me are like, you know, fascinating because I guess I find, I find that what, what makes me, um, most interested in strategy is that cultural connection at this point in my, in my career as a strategist is that cultural connection and how strategy can shape and shift culture in interesting ways. Um, so yeah. So Mm -hmm. to, to say, you know, to put it in a nutshell, those are some of the projects that I, I find most fascinating right now. Right. And I think too, like from a perspective of, you know, those cultural insights, I think that's a cool thing that advertisers, I think, you know, have a a special ability to do when you're kind of trying to listen to culture and influence culture in a positive way. And, you know, I know there are different tools and stuff that agencies will use to try and, you know, stay on top of trends going on, whether it's in social media or otherwise, but what what have you kind of found to be helpful to, to stay kind of tuned into what's going on in culture right now? Yeah. Um, really good question. I think, um, it starts with uh, a great media diet, um, uh, where, you know, I think reading, you know, watching documentaries, watching yeah. movies, watching TV, watching news. Um, I mean, you know, having conversations, meaningful conversations with people. Right. I think it comes from, I think it comes from a well-rounded media diet. Right. I also think it comes from, a very introspective, intuitive place. Mm -hmm. And that's usually born from just a general curiosity, uh, I think, with the world around you. So instead of always participating, sometimes it may take a step, take a step back and observe the world around you. Um, I think listen more, Mm -hmm. say less. Um, And I think uh, the other thing is, you know, always try to put yourself in the shoes of the person across from you that you're trying to sell to. Right. Uh, because they have a very, very different concerns, you know, especially if you're talking to a CMO of a billion dollar company, right? First of all, CMOs, the lifespan of a CMO is 18 months. Yeah. Right. On average. The second thing is, is that they may have a billion dollar marketing budget and they may only be paying you, you know, 20% of that. Right. And when you think about it in that context, right, where they may even be paying you 5% of that, yeah. right? You, you think about that in the context of all things, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of money. Right. 
to them, right? They're, they're looking for you to use this money to work very hard. And if, if you're not in, if you're not aligned with that, um, you know, obviously there'll be an unalignment in the work and then the unalignment in the work doesn't move the metrics that they need to move. And then blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Like there's a snowball effect from there. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, understanding the mindset of your clients and what they care about and the things that are important to them mm-hmm. uh, is important. And then I think once you're working on a brand in particular, um, diving into the mindsets of your consumer, even the things that you may not want to know about them, know it or, or look to dig and understand them. Cause it'll help you think about the decisions a bit more, yeah. you know, about how they think. It also help you understand their media diet. It'll help you understand the things that affect them culturally. Mm-hmm. And I think those things all, those things, when you think about it in that way, you think about it in terms of, you know, how the company's thinking, how, um, culture is influencing your, your consumer, how your consumer um, even views this brand or views an opportunity or a product or, or a service, and then how your competitors are also participating in that right. um, will help you land on a strategy and an insight that will speak to that that human truth that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. and also, um, also push you in the direction of a strategy that, is appropriate for this audience and will allow you to, you know, execute on a goal, um, that a company has. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Empathy, I think is maybe an overused word, but it seems to kind of be that continuous thread to tie everything together. I mean, you need to understand why the client's thinking the way they are to better communicate with them and serve, you know, their, their needs and really relate back to the people um, that they're trying to market to in the first place. And I think going along with that, I'm just curious, you know, paying attention to what's been going on, you know, culturally or even in advertising, are, are there any trends that you've kind of been seeing um, picking up right now that you think maybe aren't being talked about or any big trends that you're really keeping an eye on going forward in advertising? Well, I think in advertising as a whole, you know, we're definitely moving towards, a, a you know, a greater digital spends right. uh, on in, in ad budgets. So that's one of the biggest things to know. So, yeah. Um, I think the rise of voice assistants, uh, open up a new distribution channel, Mm -hmm. um, for advertisers. Uh, I also think there's a move from a psychological perspective from the consumer, uh, towards a more authentic connection. Um, they want things that add value beyond just the product or a service. You know, what else does this add to my life? Because I think, you know, it leans back into the ideas that, you know, we vote with our dollars, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm, if I'm buying something from you, I'm making an investment in your company. Mm. And because I'm making this investment, therefore, I, I want value, yeah. right? Beyond just this product or this service. Because, you know, as we know, like a lot of the products and services that we buy today are pretty temporary. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, is pretty like, I mean, we lease our lives today. Yeah. Right. Most, most young folks won't even own a car, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, the numbers are shrinking on how many people even actually own homes. Yeah. Right. Like, so in many ways we lease our lives. Um, and when, when you think about it from that perspective, you know, it's like, so what are the things that are going to resonate with them in a way that allows them 
to build some kind of connection because in a world where a world where loneliness, 80% of the American population suffers from loneliness, Mm -hmm. we're seeking connections um, and something that's real, you know? Uh, So those things, those things I think are the things that are most important right now. Yeah. Uh, And I'm curious too, I don't know how much you've seen about these or not, but um, you know, have you, have you kind of been seeing the virtual influencers that have kind of been going around lately last, like maybe last year or so? Oh yeah. Yeah. The CJ, uh, CGI yeah. Um, influencers. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was in San Jose and heard RPA talk about kind of their Gen Z insights and was talking about how they um, really kind of relate to those virtual influencers. And we've seen like, you know, KFC kind of spoofed it with their kernel, but then I saw there was like a telecommunications company in the UK that partnered with a runway to like have a CGI um, influencer come in and do like a runway show. And I'm curious too, it's interesting to me just because like knowing that people feel lonely and there's people looking for connections that they kind of are drawn to in a way, at least the younger audience is drawn to a more like CGI or maybe non-real entity that is like a virtual influencer. And I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were on those and how they're kind of fitting in. Do you think they'll stick around or do you think it's kind of like a fad that may kind of fizzle out in a year or so? No, I, I think it's, um, I think it's here to stay. I think the, the forms will change though. Um, I think, um, well, the forms that you'll experience in that way will be different, right? So we already experience it through voice assistants. Yeah. Siri has been the Siri in many ways was kind of like the OG, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> like CGI character, right? Like, um, And I mean, obviously she wasn't, she's not a CGI character, but that's in many ways, like the, this is where that relationship with a non-real like person has started. Um, so that's one that's, so I think it'll happen in voices in the voice assistant space. And you're already starting to see these connections Mm -hmm. happen with people and their voice assistants from the CGI perspective. Um, I think, uh, it was, it's, it's a slow roll into virtual reality. Okay. Um, I think, I think as the platforms improve, um, and a leader emerges in, in the VR, uh, AR space, I think you are going to see more CGI characters. Um, and the ones that are in early now will, you know, probably be the leaders that continue to persist Mm -hmm. in those spaces. Um, because what's interesting about that is they don't age, right? Um, so as long as they're hit to new generational trends, Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be relevant or they create, they basically create pathways or uh, breadcrumbs Mm. for others to follow that same model um, and create new personas that may resonate with broader culture, broader uh, subcultures Mm. that follow that, you know, or other subcultures, excuse me, that follow um, these CGI influencers, you know? So uh, it's, it's interesting to say the least. I think, I think it's, I think it's early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are, um, it's interesting cause it's kind of like Bitcoin, right? Like yeah. we're starting to hear about it yet, but it's not like it's right. not fully like baked. Right. Um, but it's, but it's also like the blockchain too, where it's, you know, it's, it's a, going to be a new platform for brands. Right. Um, that still hasn't been proven. Right. Um, so there, there are, there are many ways, I think there's many ways in on the CGI character. 
I don't know if it's for every brand, um, but for those who may be tiptoeing in the lifestyle space, um, it could be an interesting opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, this kind of ties into the next question, but you know, we've seen a lot of big acquisitions where you know companies with bigger data is you know more interested in creative agencies like maybe Accenture buying out Droga or you know obviously Publicis purchased Epsilon and IPG bought you know Axiom to try and get data in house with agencies and. I'm just kind of curious, where do you think, um, what do you kind of think it looks like, you know, maybe a couple years down the road as far as, you know, how data is interacting with creative in an agency setting? Um, you know, I think the data is important to kind of lead the insight generation and to figure it out. But I'm curious kind of, of how you see those kind of um, merging together uh, in one house. Well, I think, um, I think they're going to, I, I definitely think it's they're already here, right? Some agencies are are more um, some some agencies are later to the party than others. Um, some agencies have great partners, and they're either merging or buying them. Mm-hmm. Um, others are um, just building their own in house shops, and then others others won't be that. You know, they will take another approach on creativity, and and I think all of those things there's no wrong or right way of looking at the world tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there will be a place for more qualitative insights, yeah. um, and more qualitative creative, and there'll be a place for more quant driven creative as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I think the key is an agency with a point of view, um, on that data, uh, or even on the qualitative insights is what will win in tomorrow's world. Right. An agency with a point of view that wants to do something in culture. They'll be the agencies that want to, that win awards. Like the people that stand for things beyond just awards and ads, right? Um, those will be the agencies that find the data more interesting and can do things with the data. Mm-hmm. They'll also be the agencies that make the best work. Uh, because they stand for something and want to advance a point of view, which is what brands are buying anyways. They're buying, you know, leadership um, that that will help them navigate um, the marketing terrain that they may not understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that kind of brings it back to, to again, the the being able to tell the story with the data and and kind of tying back into the purpose for a brand that consumers can tie into. Um, And I think to kind of bring things a little bit full circle here too, um, you know, to any like young professionals or, or students out there who are looking to kind of get into advertising or strategy, um, what, what kind of advice would you offer them as far as getting their foot in the door and starting out in the industry, especially from like, if they want to go into the strategy side of things? Yeah, I think, um, it starts with networking. Um, that's a, that's a, a big, that's a big part right. of it. Um, I think this is a really, really hard business to get in, but once you get in, you know, um, it's a, it's a business that's super incestuous and the relationships that you build, mm-hmm. um, with people in general, is just like, you know, like they're, they're very interesting relationships that you build with people. I mean, you know, you're in the trenches yeah. sometimes 10, 12 hours a day, uh, with people that, you know, are really, really smart, uh, very interesting people have interesting lives outside of the world of advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think it all starts with the relationships you build. Um, 
Second thing I would say is, you know, doing exactly what you're doing right now, right? Yeah. Like being curious about the industry because essentially you, you will like inherit the business, yeah. right? Like, then uh, that's, that's going to be what it is in 20 years, right? right? Nobody knows what that is. You guys will shape what that is. Um, because the stories that you want to sell, the stories that you want to tell and the generation behind us all thinks about advertising much differently than, you know, I do, even though I'm a millennial, yeah, right. you know? Um, so I think that's the other part, knowing that it doesn't have to look like what it looks like now. Um, and then I think the third part is, you know, um, basically depending on what department you're going in, right? If it's strategy or creative, um, I would tell you, put together a book, yeah. you know, put together a portfolio of work that you're proud of, right? That tells your story. Um, because so much of your job is, whether it's a junior strategist, um, senior strategist, senior strategist, strategy director, head of strategy, CSO, whatever you may yeah. be, your job is going to be to sell ideas and to be a, a guide or a rudder or an advisor to, you know, the people, the account that you're working right. on, um, about the strategy, mm -hmm. right. And why somebody should believe in this and what are the reasons to believe beyond what the brand has told you is important, right? Like what truly resonates with this customer and how can this creative work hard to bring that to life? Yeah. Um, no, those are great. And I think, um, too, I think I know it's getting later on the, the East Coast side of things, but I think maybe the, the last question that kind of ties into this too, and maybe wraps things up a little bit is, you know, I'm just curious, you know, you kind of had more of a non-traditional path, I guess, in, into strategy and an agency. And I'm, I'm curious from your kind of journey and your experiences you've had so far, um, what, what's something that you, you kind of know now that you wish you knew when you're starting that out that you think may have helped you out um, early on? Uh, I think, um, the thing that, that's a really good question. I think the thing that's really like helped me just navigate things or understand, you know, how I even got here is just, um, I think just being self-aware, right? I think this business requires you to be self-aware, um, to be successful. Um, because to stay in this business for a long term, um, or a long haul, yeah. like you gotta, you gotta find something you love about it and it's gotta be more than the money. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'll tell you what somebody once told me before, you know, about advertising in the beginning, you'll be grossly underpaid. Yeah. Um, but as you pay your dues and you do, and you make great work, right. And keep your mind focused on the work, mm -hmm. um, in time you'll be grossly overpaid. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the key and the nugget of, of wisdom or truth in that is that, you know, in the beginning, it's you've got to find something that you're passionate about to keep yourself going through this all because there are going to be long, hard nights and right. fights you have with yourself about, you know, am I good enough? Am I am I going to am I going to be successful with this? You know, there's going to be a lot of eat shit cry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, anxiety, right? Like, because you want to just do your best, right? Like, and I think the one thing you'll find at all of the best shops in the world is that people want to produce great work that moves mm -hmm. people, yeah. you know, the other part is, is people also want to win awards. Yeah. 
Uh, and the anxiety to create against creating a reward can create a, a tug and pull, you know, within the agency environment that you work within as well. So, you know, I would tell anybody, keep your mind focused on the work. Um, what is it that you want to be proud of? And after you found um, what that thing is that, that you want to be proud of beyond just, you know, creating a great ad. But what is that thing you want to be proud of that you said you made and that you honed and that you mastered in that position? Right. right? Like let let moments like that always be your temples or guiding moments throughout your career in this business is it'll help you one. Um, just become more, just remain self-aware. But two, uh, you know, because this, this business is also again, like very um, incestuous and and you, you, again, it's all about relationships. Um, A business built on pheromones. Somebody once told me (laughs) Uh, because of those things, you'll start to attract the people that should be in your Mm -hmm. life. Um, And in the, in the season when it's appropriate, um, you'll work with those people or you'll connect with those people and those people ultimately lead you to, um, more interesting projects or uh, opportunities, um, that allow you to continue to advance. Yeah, no, I, that's awesome. And I think, you know, thank you again, um, for sharing that and, um, you know, talking with Cole and I today, um, you know, once again, we're talking with, uh, Byron Morgan, a strategist over at Mullen Low, uh, in Boston. Um, you know, I just want to say thank you again for coming on and chatting with us. Like, this has been awesome. <laughs> Great conversation. So thank you. Yeah, not a problem, man. And uh, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Hey, everyone. This is Trent from Salad the Advertising Podcast. Now, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Byron today. You know, just like a salad, there's a lot of different ingredients that go into making a great ad. And it was great to learn about the strategy side of things today. You know, for more interviews like these and, of course, for our roundtable discussions with Cole, Zach, and myself, I encourage you to follow us on your favorite streaming platform and also follow along on Instagram at salad underscore podcast to stay up to date with our latest news and behind the scenes footage as well. Thanks. Thanks.